Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 147. Trying to get this one in early. The season is on right now, the competitive season. And so those of us that are preparing dogs and people to run tests, um, that's the, you know, that starts very shortly. Field trials are already running hard, of course. So today's episode is going to be a slight G update. I'm going to uh, not do any less listener questions today. I have a single topic on, again, on dog handling. And it's really for uh, my competitive folks. Also, really, even if you're not competitive, I would approach things the same way. But anyway, it's going to be a little bit about that. So the G update is, and I will probably have some video later this week, uh, is that she's mm, five and a half, getting close to six. All She has all of her adult teeth except still some baby canines. And it does impact her bringing uh, bumpers back. So she's kind of every now and then just does the rope carry. And I don't really get after her for that. So we're going to get going as soon as there's no pain on those teeth. We're going to start get start and hold. I've just showed a little beginnings of it in a kind of a real benign way on Facebook. We'll keep going on that. The uh, upland work is extremely good. Um, this dog is a very strong natural pointer. However, now that we've done this real independent work <laughs> out there finding birds, and then they fly up, you know, and I don't have any control over her, and if she can catch them, she does, and... It's become, so that part of her brain is kind of taken back over again. Oh, but I want to do this. So me getting her back with a bird in her mouth is, uh, I, you know, I don't let that get filmed. <laughs> but I should because it would be very funny. Um, but so I can't, right now the bird thing, she just wants to take it and go. And so that's a very natural thing. So what I'm doing is, uh, like I said, on, on the marks that I run now, the retrieves, just the plain retrieve practice, it's all with a bumper so that we don't, and even then she's gotten, you know, kind of, oh golly, this is fun. So again, what's happened is I don't have a dog going bad on me. I just have a dog that went, oh, that stuff where I can do whatever I want and is alive and then it's in my mouth. That is so good. I want more of that. So that's what I have going. And that, fortunately, she's at the age now where I can really, her obedience is real good on leash, um, where I can start some uh, behavior on holding things and, and having stuff in your mouth and not spitting it out whenever you want. So that's my approach there as opposed to correcting any of her other stuff because in my perspective, I can't correct her loving this and thinking it's awesome. And she doesn't really know any rules yet. So I'm glad that her upland work is so good and her pointing is really strong. And that's why I'm not going to make that upland field be a bad place because she's, she's uh, everything I would hope for out there. And so we're starting start the other work, and I'll show that too. So things are good uh, with her. I'm real happy, and we, keep, uh, we just keep right on going. And like I said, I'll show it to everybody. Today's... Uh, Today's talk is going to be inspired by, we've had the local club around a lot and watching everybody getting ready. Uh, one thing I'll say, just like when I got back from North Carolina, is people and their dogs have gotten pretty darn good compared to in the past. So bravo to everybody. They're learning well. They have good dogs. They're training them well. Um, that just great. It's great to see. Very different than it was 10 or 20 or 25 years ago. Very different and uh, very nice to see everyone doing such a good job. So I'm talking to the people who are preparing to go run tests. 
Uh, and a lot of this, any test, I don't care what you're doing. People that are preparing to go run tests and what they can do to increase their odds of success. And I come at this from a point of view, not of I know everything and just do what I tell you. That, not from that. But it comes from a point of I, when I've done this for um, yep, most of my life, trying to go do these tests and I do it with other people's dogs. And so I need to be successful <laughs> as much as possible because otherwise people won't send me their dogs. So everything that I do is always trying to be just a little bit better, a little bit more successful. I've tried very hard to find the things that make me able to take these dogs and go to these events and have the best chance possible to pass. Now I've put out last year and I think the year before a number of podcasts telling people, some, giving them some ideas about how to prepare and what to do to go run the entry level stuff or the highest level stuff where you have multiple marks and technical blinds and all that and a lot of control type things. So a lot of that's out there and how to what kind of marks and blinds and stuff to set up a little bit. But I'm going to take it a step back further. And it seems like the older I get and the longer I do this, the more simple this thing really uh, seems to be and comes down to. So I was just hammering somebody uh, this weekend. <laughs> Thank goodness he can take it. Um, has a real good dog and a real good chance of doing well. And he is very interested, like most people that are new to the upper levels, in increasing the sophistication of what they're doing and doing harder things and doing more challenging things and up in the ante that way to get their dog ready. And so uh, let's just say looking at everybody getting ready, um, and everyone's eager to run the blinds and do the marks. And yet if you watch them coming from their vehicle to the holding blind, in the holding blind, going to the line, at the line, right there is probably uh, the part that many people are paying little attention to. And they're more excited about what kind of blind it is or how or tight are the marks or what kind of, what do we have? So the thing that we wound up talking about that I'd really like to put out for everybody of every level and every experience thing, at least something to think about is the same thing you would do if you were designing a rocket to go to Mars, I believe, or if you were designing a new, uh, a video game that has some kind of new stuff on there, virtual stuff, when you're do, undertaking anything that is fairly challenging and complicated and has a lot of elements to it, the way you go about all of those things is by starting at the very beginning and having all of the very preliminary steps basically as perfect as you can have them. Every calculation you do in building a rocket cannot be wrong. All of them have to be right. They have to be tested, they have to be consistent, and they have to be exactly right. And so for me, in what we do here in the dog world, it would be the same thing. If you ignore how your dog's behaving as you get out of the truck or as you go over to the holding blind, as you're sitting in the holding blind, as you walk to the line, before you ever get any of that, what is the relationship between you and your animal. Are you kind of hanging on for dear life? 
you know, are they nervous? Do you have, is there all kinds of energetic situations going on that are not useful to executing the marks and the blinds? So what even now I know if you have a nine month old dog or 10 month old dog and you're running entry level stuff in this, and I'm talking about sitting calmly in the holding blind, that may be a lot of wishful thinking early on which is one of the reasons that a lot of times on dogs that are going the long haul, I don't even do that with them because it does create it, it kind of a frantic craziness and excitement and you can't really do anything to control it. But so understanding and accepting that that's part of the early deal. When you go to the line, if the dog is not fully invested in what it is you're asking them to do and in the cooperation with you, if they are not fully invested in that, going up to the holding blind and sitting in it, and then going from the holding blind to the line, if they are not fully invested in the shared effort and doing what it is you would like them to do. Now, we're talking about control stuff here. We're not talking about going in the upland field, but I think it applies there too. We're talking about the control stuff where they got to sit and not go tell scent and stop on a whistle and take casts. So a lot of your problems that you're having or if you, you know, or the stuff that you're hoping to get it, right here is where everything starts. So if they're basically got, kind of paying attention to you and kind of not, then when they go out and do their work on marks and blinds, they are going to do more of that to you. That's how that works. So if you can, to the best of your ability, get the, Jeff, you'll recognize this, the perfection in the very simple things like sitting in the holding blind, like coming out of the holding blind, walking to the line and sitting down, looking out and assessing what they see and getting ready to do the work. If you can have that, and I'm not talking about fearful. I've seen a lot of people where the dog is kind of hunkered down. You can tell what happens in training. So they're going out there scared out of their, out of their wits. I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm talking about a dog that whose mind is on the upcoming work. I know they're excited. They might be vibrating, um, but they're excited about that. But they are cooperative because if they're not cooperative right there, they're likely not going to be cooperative 70 yards away from you on a dead run. So much of the work that can be done to assure that you are going to do well at tests is making sure that you are doing well before you ever go run whatever setup you're doing. And so people get more excited about what the setup is than what the dog is telling them about their attitude and what it is they're going to do. So those of you that are going to compete, put a lot of emphasis into establishing what you want between you and your dog right there long before you ever get there. Okay, That's, that's real important. Just try it. Um, and if your dog isn't cooperative, then you have a dog isn't cooperative problem. And that's really going to be bad on a on a land blind close to a mark or a water blind that's kind of in and out technical. So one of the places that you can help yourself on that stuff is early on by just your trajectory from your vehicle uh, over to what it is you're going to do. 
Now on the setup thing, and I really want to talk about this because ugh, setups and people, it's very often if you're going, and I've said this, I don't know, 50 times, if you're going to be go running a, a finish level, a master level, a master level in the APLA, so you want that setup, right? I, let's go do setups. Let's set up the tests, kind of tests that we're expecting to see. Let's have triples if they're going to have triples. Let's have doubles and let's have diversions. Let's do all of this stuff. Okay, now let's have some blinds that are in. So you put all of this challenge into this setup. And, and especially if it's cool, right? There's like cool stuff. Oh, that's a really neat thing. I want to do that again and again. So when you are taking your dog up, we're preparing now, right? We're preparing. We're building our rocket ship to Mars. When we're preparing our dog, there are a number of elements that go into tests, okay? Marking, obviously marking. It might be marking singles if you're at the entry levels. It's marking multiples if you're higher up. That's part of it. Then generally, if you're not at the entry level, then somewhere in there you have a blind retrieve, which depending on where you are and what, it could be super hard. It could be not. It could be a lot of things. So a good approach that I have found, I don't go and try to set up every hard setup I've ever seen. I don't go try to set up something that's going to be as hard as possible so that whenever we get to the test, it probably won't be that difficult. Absolutely not the approach. Oh gosh, can that backfire on you? Instead of approaching it backwards, trying to predict what might be happening and prepare for the very most difficult and subject your dog to that, consider subjecting your dog to something else, teaching them when they look out one, they focus on one bird. They don't, if you have always are doing multiples, your dog will just watch the first one in the air, right? And then they're looking around to see the second one and you have no control over this dog's focus. A lot of people have that problem. And if you run a lot of multiples all the time, you teach them, hey, man, just swing looking all over because that's where it is. That's not something that's going to be useful because if your first bird that's, that's first marked that's out there is a challenging and difficult one and they just look at it in the sky and look away, they may have a great, a lot of difficulty on that memory bird. If they know to just stare because so often they just run these singles, especially if they're hard marks, then they really watch the bird down. That's more helpful to you than setting up really hard marks over and over and over, hoping that's what's going to teach your dog to be able to mark well. Okay, Teaching them to mark well is first teaching focus. And then teaching them that to go out there and diligently hunt it, hunt it. And to begin to teach them confidence in their ability to go find the birds. You don't teach confidence in their ability to go find birds. When you run multiples all the time, and some of them are hard, and they just learn, you just keep going, go out there, look around, eventually they'll handle it, help you if you don't find it, and it's just been unfocused, you know, just, wow, there's always a lot of action out here, high energy, non-focused kind of activity. So you need the dog to focus on a single bird to run that last hard third bird in a triple, and you do that by teaching focus. And you teach focus not by doing hard stuff, but by doing straightforward stuff. And when they can do straightforward stuff 
really well and remain completely focused and not be bouncing around and swinging heads and looking at that. Now we can go to the next step every now and then of going, sometimes you can do, we will do doubles or we will do triples. You can always have the whole, all the stations out there. You can always have that and run singles. Or sometimes they can expect singles and you're going to be running a multiple. But you don't want them to just get into this rhythm of just looking around all the time. Again, focus is what makes good marking dogs even better than what they are. Is their ability to really focus on where that is and get to it. So you don't teach with complication. You teach with simplifying things and building confidence and strength in that. When you have that, folks, and this is like one of the big secrets of every really good trainer out there. When the dog believes that they can, they look out there and go, I got that bird. And because you have established that kind of confidence by teaching well and having them really develop their ability to focus and watch. Then when you, when you go somewhere or one day you just throw what's really a hard mark, if you know what that is, and you throw one, the dog does not know it's hard. The dog does not look out there and go, oh, golly, I don't know. They just look out there and go, I can do this. And then they can go do much more difficult things because they have confidence in what they're seeing and what they're doing. But if you set up hard, tricky stuff and they get in trouble and they do wrong stuff a lot, you take that confidence away. Many times it's that belief that they can do it that's going to get you through to the end of a test more than the difficult setups that you've had. Same thing now when you're running blind retrieves. When you're running blinds, that is, they didn't see the bird down, they've got to go out there and handle. When you're doing that, if you set up tricky stuff, hard stuff, stuff that has a lot of complication to it, then the dog goes out there not trained, taught real well how to do right straightforward blinds near marks, not, not tricky stuff, out and in the same field where there's marks. First, you do very simple, straightforward things until they can hammer that. Until they sit down, they sit, they're aimed the right way. You put your hand down, they take off. They stop on your cat on your whistles. They take your casts. They're not worried about the other things that are out there. They're not worried about whoa, I'm right by a mark. I really want to go over there. They're just learning to go somewhere else in that same field and go do these blinds. Make them be perfect at that stuff till they just look out in a place where they ran marks and with all the confidence in the world, they're going to go get a blind retrieve. Now, when you start putting those things a little bit closer, adding a little bit of complication, they don't know it. They don't know you're doing that. They have a lot of confidence. So they look out there, <laughs> believe they can do it. And so then when you have something that maybe is in a, you're in a test or in a big training group and somebody does some, set something up with a little bit of challenge, you know, your dog doesn't know it. They're just like, hey, I get pointed out there and I go straight. I can do this. I'm not worried about getting killed out there for doing something wrong. And so if I could get people at the highest levels, you know, the, the grand level and the master national level where they're all kind of tricky stuff. If you go to the line with a dog that is really perfect on straightforward, simple stuff, has 100% confidence so that when there is complication, whether a little bit or a lot, 
they still believe that they are fully capable of doing this. So this perfection in the most simple things, I feel is the key to being really good at the really hard things. But you don't do it by training on really hard things before you have perfection in the really simple things. And when you do start to add some some uh, complication to it, uh, an under the arc blind, a blind right behind a, a, a crate of flyers, you know, a little bit, just a little shoreline and then up and then back in a shoreline again, kind of a water blind. Before you start doing all that, make sure that one, your dog can run a blind with the marks and with a lot of confidence. And then if you're going to, before you do the tricky shoreline up out of the water, back in the water shoreline thing again, particularly downwind of a mark, say, um, before you do that, make sure when you're back off from the water and you point your dog at it, they get in. They know they have to get in. If you're fighting, does this dog really understand water work? Do they really understand when they're pointed at it, they need to get in and then they need to stay in. And if I tell them to get out, then they need to get out. But if I tell them to get back in, until you can do that on very simple, straightforward things, I wouldn't dream of trying some real hard thing because you don't have the fundamentals in place ahead of time. So far more time should be spent on establishing fundamental concepts and then practicing fundamental concepts. So when you get a, a young dog that looks out at a little piece of water and goes, oh, got to get in. And they routinely do that. And I'll, I'll just tell you this. You don't necessarily have to practice all the really hard, ticky-tacky things. You point them at the water and they get in. And if you tell them to stay in, they stay in. They don't know they're running a shoreline blind. I mean, you might want to practice some of those eventually, but even if you get something thrown at you that you haven't practiced, if you have those fundamentals in place, get in, stay in, okay, get out, right, back in. If you've practiced that stuff, they don't know they're running this really challenging little edgy technical deal. They're just getting in when you tell them and get out because they trust you and they believe you. And that is far more important going into a difficult test than having practiced difficult tests. The psychology of the dog is vastly underestimated by many people in competition. The people are more, they, you know what, what people want, what we want as handlers oftentimes? We want to practice hard stuff, right? So that we can, we're ready for the hard stuff. We want to practice triples. We want to practice doubles and blinds and diversions. And we want to practice that so we feel real comfortable. And I'll just say this. I think, I think it's the same thing for people. I rarely, rarely practice ticky-tacky really hard stuff or insane stuff. I rarely practice that. I spend far more time on that fundamental stuff. Boringly so. I don't ever have dogs getting in terrible, terrible trouble. I don't have dogs that aren't understanding what we're asking because I will go spend an entire day doing very straightforward stuff in the water with every dog. And it just looks like, well, she's just kind of out there doing what looks like kind of simple stuff. And then the next day, another version of something that's very straightforward and simple. But when the dogs go to the test and they look out there, one, they're not afraid. Two, they're just going, okay, what are we doing? 
total trust that they're going to go where I have them pointed, you know, that, that they're going to have to handle, that they're going to have to take the cast. They just know that. And so then I can do that. And so for me, for the handler, for the approach, I'm not like, oh no, last time we did this, he went crazy and quit stopping on the whistle. It's just like another day on those training things that we're doing. It's just another day of it. And when you run a triple and a double blind, that's three singles and then two blinds. Just like you were out training one day and you're running three singles. You'd be relaxed. Your dog would be relaxed. They would look out and they would focus. And they would go get that one bird. Now we have another single. And you just focus on that single thing and so does your dog. It's same with the blind. You don't sit there going, oh God, it's right next to the flyer crates. Oh, you don't do that. You just go, all right, now we're running this blind. Okay, point them straight, go. When you adopt that attitude as the handler, your dog will tend to adopt the same attitude. But if all you're ever doing is practicing hard stuff, messing up, mishandled, made a mistake, I need to get better, you're imparting all of that to your dog. They're not having any confidence. I'm pretty sure you probably aren't either. So I don't see that really working very much. If there's someone out there and that's how they do it and they're real successful, more power to you. But I think for the general population, simplicity is always a better approach. And for your handling, for you, that dog handler, and for the dog, simplicity is always going to be better. It's going to build the strength. It's going to build the confidence. It's going to build the skills that you need to do something more difficult. But I don't think people uh, build uh, rocket ships to go to Mars by building little rocket ships and practicing going to Mars. I just don't think they do that. They start with the very physics fundamentals. And I know I give these weird analogies, but they're so accurate. You know, you got to understand about gravitational fields and this and that and that this distance. And how do we do this? And how do we propel this? And how do we keep the oxygen? Da, da, da. They have to do all of this real fundamental stuff. And they just keep doing fundamental stuff until pretty soon they assemble this fundamental stuff. And then they put it together. And that's the same thing we do with dogs. Same thing. It's more uh, boring, I guess. Not to me, but it's, it's, if you just go out and say, I'm going to work, I'm going to put a bunch of chairs and stuff out in the field, and I'm just going to run blinds real close behind this one now. I'm going to put birds in the bags of birds or buckets of birds on the chairs, and I'm just going to practice blind, right? And I'm just going to do a bunch of them. Oh, it's, you know, it's not exciting and fun. It's just, but you practice those kind of things all the time, then your dog becomes very practiced in running blinds. And if you go out there on a, on a tough test day and it's just another blind and you did 170 of them before this, so this is just another one, many times, even when the dog's kind of a little more amped up because of the energy place of the place where you are at a test, you still go execute like you have over and over and over again. And there's more power in, in the 10,000 hour deal where this is the 171st land blind that we run this spring, right? There's more power in that than there is this dog that runs really fast and sits on the whistle real good. And we practice this all week doing this. Oh, I, you know, in that, that kind of energetic, hopeful, 
not completely confident thing that most of us do. That's, you know, sometimes you get lucky with that and sometimes it blows up, right? Then you're upset, that darn dog. Go out there with the fundamentals. Super strong fundamentals. It can never hurt you. It can only help you. And the more your dog believes in what you're saying and what you're asking them to do clearly, because it's always the same, the standard never changed. When they look out there like that, and it's your 171st blind this spring, you're probably going to be successful. And you aren't going to be quite, you're going to be nervous. Nervous is fine. People are nervous. Everyone's nervous. But if you still have that confidence from this, having done this so much, and, and you your dog has that, you're going to get through it, nervous or not. I know from experience. So I would say everybody that likes to get ready and let's set up the test and let's make it hard and let's, let's get, you know, I want to do all kind of hard stuff so that when we're at the test, it probably won't be as hard. You know, I would, you know, mm. before you do that, make sure you do the simple things perfectly. Because if you don't, then you're not ready to do the hard stuff. And you'll find when you can do all the simple things perfectly and start putting two simple things together and do two simple things perfectly together, that those hard tests suddenly aren't so hard anymore. So I just want to get people to think about that. It takes more work and sweat and bearing down and focus. Interestingly, the work, the sweat, the bearing down and focus is what's going, you, we need in your dog to go qualify for the grand, qualify for the master national, get your purple ribbons in the APLA. That's what it takes. So if you just take a step back and approach it that way, uh, your rocket ship will probably make it to Mars. So after that to everybody, relatively short one here for all this. All the puppy people, I hope you are, there's a bird shortage and it's a tough year this year. I don't know if it's that way on the east side of the country. It really is out here. Get your dog on birds. Um, I guess we're having a seminar in uh, Seattle, in the Seattle area uh, in June on young dogs and getting started in this pointing world. So you can talk to the Northwest Pointing Lab Club about that. I'm going to be up there in some glamorous place, I understand. And uh, <clears throat> everybody, again, a little more introspection, a little more sweat, a little more boring stuff, a little more perfection in the smallest things. And that reaps, I'd say, the biggest rewards you could possibly do. So everybody have a good training week. Get ready. Tests are coming. And uh, stay healthy. And G and I will be back soon.